I sounded like an idiot a few minutes ago, though, when I couldn't remember the stinking name of the virus. I knew it was some kind of genetic mutation, and I kept thinking it was a genetic mutation they did to themselves, yeah. and I couldn't think of the word virus. Yeah. What a, what a time in human history to not be able to think of the word virus. <laughs> right. <laughs> I hope that anyway. virus doesn't give us all ridged foreheads there. <laughs> No. I'm going to be right. a little upset like if we have another kid and it comes out with a ridged forehead because of this virus. Are you kidding me? You would be upset? Yes. I have <laughs> to give birth to doesn't. that forehead. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just imagine what you're going to get for the TV rights. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> you can have a TLC show. <laughs> Great promotion. For My kid's a Klingon. <laughs> We need to just like make that show. Are we recording this? We are. (laughs) We are recording this, and I straight up think like like we need to like pitch this show to somebody now. (laughs) Yep. My kids cling on. Oh my gosh. We could at least make a commercial. I'll make a YouTube series. A YouTube series. Like yes. But the whole thing is just like I'm just a normal kid. That's like the message, you know? This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Science Fictionary Podcast, the podcast brought to you by the sciencefictionary.com, where we discuss all things in the world of sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and superheroes in the world of pop culture. And I am Daniel, and joining me are Marisha. Hey, everybody. Andrew. What's going on? And David. Hey, everyone. And you are catching us on the first week of our new format, so if you came to this episode looking for us to talk about uh current events or what we are watching and things like that you can actually check out this week's other episode uh what we'll be discussing right now this will be our weekly star trek review we've been going through the next generation series and the movies and we have finally worked our way up to the first next generation movie generations But before we get into Generations, we actually want to get some final thoughts on the Next Generation series. We finally worked our way through the Mm -hmm. end of the series. Uh, David is a first-time viewer, and Mm -hmm. the rest of us as um, longtime fans, a few of us had to rewatch some episodes just because we want to. (laughs) So, David, what, what are your overall thoughts on that series now that you've watched it? All right, so I've been really excited to talk about this because just to recap, pretty much all that we've been doing, I'm 19 years old, about to be 20. I have not seen Star Trek until we started doing this podcast. I watched all the original series movies, fell in love with them, and I started watching this show, and I have fallen in love with this show. I have watched enough from each season to be able to talk about it as a whole, but it in my time, I'm going to go back and I'm going to watch more episodes of the show that I had to kind of skip over just to get through this series. The Next Generation, to me, 
is one of probably one of the most inspiring, wholesome, like best made, well made TV shows that I've ever seen. The characters are incredible and real and so very human, which is the whole point of the show, right? I love the spectacle of the entire series. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the growth of all the characters, watching their journeys, all the important moments, all the great lines. Even a bad episode of this show is still so good because of just the pure charm that oozes out of Star Trek. I, I felt the same way about uh, the original series of Star Trek and the original movies, and, and uh, this one just continues that. Uh, some of my favorite characters ever. Q is... I, I, I've i seen every Q episode just because like I, I would look through it like all the episodes like okay which one has Q in it so much fun yeah. uh, such a great thing um, some of the best acting I've ever seen in a TV show Data like is it Brent or is it Brett I always forget I'm sorry Brent that, wait say that again was Brent. It Brent Brent he is one of the most underrated actors that I have ever seen. He does not get talked about enough how incredible he is mm-hmm. as Data and as Lore and going back and forth. And we'll talk more about that when we get into Generations because there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. His his whole journey, his whole story throughout the show is one of the like most incredible pieces of character work that I've ever seen in mm-hmm. anything. Patrick Stewart as... Uh, Picard is is one of the coolest, most interesting, complex characters ever. Riker is is all the best parts of Kirk put into just one solid, awesome character. Mm-hmm. Um, Worf is is a is a sleeper for me because he like, like I don't feel like that gets talked about enough. Worf's a great character who has some great episodes all by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I love every character in the in this show. And I've, it's been a real joy watching it. And I was really excited to get into the movies. Well, good. See? Who told you so? You told me so. We told You've you always so. told me so. Obvious. <laughs> you can go back and find old episodes of Course on Radio Underground when uh-huh. these guys are like, you got to watch Star Trek. But you, you talk about Brent Spiner's range. He started out as a comedian. Did anybody ever watch Night Court? Yep. Yep. Andrew knows what I'm talking about. I can I see the look on his face. His character from Night Court was hilarious. He's hilarious. He has some of the funniest moments in the entire show and in Generations, but we'll get to that when we talk about Generations. Mm-hmm. But it, it really was, I don't know if it was dumb luck or a stroke of brilliance to cast a comedian as the character who never showed any emotion. <laughs> Just <laughs> because you knew you would have the moments where he wouldn't, Need to branch out and show the emotion. You talked about him also playing lore, but he, you know, he plays Doctor Soong several times mm-hmm. in the uh, through the course of things. Mm-hmm. That couple of different versions of of a Soong character. Actually, he played mm-hmm. a, a relative of Soong's in Enterprise. He played a relative of Soong's in Picard, the most mm-hmm. recent series we've we've had. Uh, Brent Spiner's range is just phenomenal. You you should go on YouTube and watch him heckle Patrick Stewart at conventions. <laughs> it is That's hilarious. Great. But yeah, and Data's the character who always gets talked about so much. That was 
you know, he was our, he was the character who sort of took us through the journey of what was going on in the show. He's sort of our bridge into the world. He's the one who kind yeah. of, like the companions in Doctor Who. Right. Huh? Right along character. Right along? Never heard that phrase before in my life, but sure, we'll go oh. with that. Oh, I've heard it pretty, anyway. <laughs> anyway. You get the point. I don't know. Re- rewatching the series again, kind of, kind of just brought back things for me that maybe I didn't even really remember. But you always still get that Star Trek feel, mm-hmm. and really, probably from from this series more than any of the others. And I've said before, and I don't know if we'll ever get to it to do on this show or not. But Voyager is my favorite of the series. But even it didn't get the now the Discovery. Yes, the the the, the feel of going out into new worlds and discovering new things that you got from the original series. That's what you got from Voyager. Cause they were in a completely uncharted version of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. There's a little less of that in next generation. Cause they kept dealing with characters and worlds we had already seen. Right. With the Klingons and the Romulans, but you still got that. What I've always said, Star Trek is about the advancement of the human race about identifying our faults, but how we can be better. Um, that sense of hope that gets talked about in this type of science fiction so much, mm-hmm. you really, you really get from this series, yep. just sort of the human experience. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed going back and watching Star Trek again, uh, watching the Next Generation because it's it's been several years since I watched the Next Generation, but man, it's just. You know, like, it's it's so, you know, Star Trek has kind of tried some different things out over the years, but this one is very much, the tone is so similar to the original series, which is probably because this is, you know, because Roddenberry also worked on this and created this, wrote a lot of the, the episodes and things like that. But yeah, it's so, um, it's so optimistic, even whenever it's kind of a downer occasionally, it's still such a, especially man right now, like the, you know, kind of that, uh, an optimistic picture of the future is um, kind of refreshing. Yeah, refreshing. That's the word. Yeah, for sure. So, yes. There's something really special about the show. There really is. Yeah, there is. And it's, it's definitely uh, markedly different in some ways from the original series. Um, but in, in spite of having a, a really different cast of characters, they, they have that same kind of camaraderie, you know, that they, that they had in the original series, that same sort of, uh, you know, for being a show, I was thinking about, um, I was listening to, uh, an author talk the other day about character driven stories as opposed to, um, plot driven stories, you know, so, and the interesting thing about Star Wars, uh, Star Wars, about Star Trek is that while it's such a plot-driven concept, uh, you know, like this, it's all of the weird stuff and the devices and the gadgets and the beam me up, you know, all of that kind of going on. Um, it's still so character-centric, you know, and because we were more talking about. Um, Firefly, we were talking about the character dynamics and how that's really what made Firefly work. And honestly, I think that that's what makes 
the next generation work as well is is those character dynamics that we have going on. I mean, not quite to the same extent as some other things, but it's definitely that's the thing I think that's made it timeless, right? That'll be the word of the night. Yeah, David's favorite word. Mm-hmm. Timeless. It's it's a good word. It is a good word, yeah. especially when talking about uh, TV shows that have been about. out for forty years. Yeah. Yeah, all time about Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> forty years. Uh, thirty, about thirty. Eighty-seven. Yeah, thirty something years. Thanks. Thirty something years. Yeah, I think we were talking I think earlier it came about out... how old movies are now, and we feel old. Yeah, I mean, I was like two or three whenever the Next Generation started running. That means you would have only been about ten, huh? Seven. Seven. Seven? Well, then I couldn't have been two or three. What year did it start running? 1987. Oh, 87. Okay. Well, then I was only a year old because I was born in December of 86. So me and Star Trek, the next generation, we sort of grew up together. We grew up together. That's, that's, <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> Andrew, did you rewatch any of the series while we've been talking about it? I have watched some. I haven't watched just a ton of it, but I've caught some episodes here and there. And it's He'll still. Come and he's like, "What are you watching?" Ooh, I gotta watch this one. <laughs> um, you know, it's still one of my all-time favorite TV series, and it's so incredibly rewatchable. Yes, so rewatchable. And and I mean that goes for a lot of the Star Trek series. You know, Voyager, the Next Generation, the original series—they're all very rewatchable. It's something about that type of storytelling. I feel the same way about things like Stargate. Where I can pull up one of those episodes, it, you know, I can walk in a room, one of those is on, I can sit down and watch it. It, it doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, I can sit down and enjoy those episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we got to talk some Stargate one day, too. Yeah, we've been watching Stargate with the kids. So, yeah. after we get done with all the Star Trek and all the X-Files, David, you can start on the 30 <laughs> seasons of Stargate. I think I watched one of the Stargate movies one time. The original Stargate movie or like one of the... If you watch one of the TV, made-for-TV movies, I can't imagine you understood anything was that was going on. Uh, no, no, it was... Um, who's... The, he played Ultron. What's his name? Yes, James Spader. Yeah, the, the original. The original. Yeah. yeah. I watched the original and I loved it. I the original it movie's great. Dope. Hey, 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 this is a, this is a Star Trek show tonight. We're going <laughs> to hey. talk about Stargate. We'll do that one day. I don't want to get too far off topic because, yes. you know, that's... Yeah, I want to talk about anyway. the movies and stuff. Yes, we could do that for a long time, too. So, <laughs> later. But add it to your list. And we'll add it to the list. So, that, that'll kind of wrap up our Next Generation series. And next thing we're going to move into is we're going to start reviewing one by one every week the next generation era of movies, which of course begins with generations um, designed. Yeah. (laughs) Really designed to tie in kind of bridge the gap between the two series. Of course. Mm -hmm. Right. With the inclusion of captain James Tiberius Kirk. Yeah. In the first generation's movie, we, we couldn't let Man. Star Trek: The Next Generation cast just have their own movie. Nope. We got to get Kirk in there so we can, as Marisha said, pass the torch. It is actually though a pretty good Star Trek movie. What did you think of it, David? First time viewer, I always go to David first because well, we like to get his first reactions. All right. 
I actually watched this movie. I finished it. The credits rolled five minutes before this call started. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. So, <laughs> thanks. I pushed it back. Sorry. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, crap. We start in two hours. How long is the movie? Oh, it's two hours. Um, yeah. So, if I read correctly, the original six movies, they were basically coming out alongside the the generation the next generation series right yes like that was kind um, of going on at the same time the last two undiscovered country was 1991 mm-hmm. and i th- think final frontier was 89 okay 88 88 or 89 something like that so a couple of them came out right at right there and so um when you think about it, and, and then this, so then when did this one come out? When did this one come out? 1994. 94. Okay, so when you think about it, when you're watching this movie, it actually hasn't been that long since you've seen James T. Kirk, right? All right, correct. And so right. I think it actually lined up pretty well as a now we can pass the torch over to these next set of movies. And I loved seeing uh, Kirk and and Picard together. I mean, that's the best part of the movie, right? But um, anyway, overall, Generations, this is probably the most, one of the most mixed bag movies we've watched so far. There are so many things in this movie that I adore. And there are so many things in this movie that I am watching and just, like, cannot get past Small things, many, many small things. Um, some of the stuff really works for me. Some for, for for like some of for half of the movie, it is shot beautifully. It, it it looks amazing. It is the best looking we've got so far. The way that they frame some of the shots, um, the the costumes, the lighting, the vis- everything about it's amazing. But then for the other half of the movie, it the, it looks god awful it looks horrible like the little like the um the badges they have on their suits they look like they're made of like um the stuff that you saw on the backpacks uh, like like what like some of the costumes and stuff it just looks so cheap and weird it's like the budget's all over the place and i'm just so confused watching it um sometimes it looks great and then sometimes some of the shots are like i can't even tell what's happening what what's going on it's just shot shot so weird like um like during the crash, for example, of the of the Enterprise at the end, and like you're getting a zoom up on like Riker's face, like grunting. It's like what is like some some of the stuff's really weird for that. But overall, I I think I did really enjoy the movie. Um, I loved getting to see those characters together, interacting. I loved the beginning. I lo- everything. That like the was first, great. Like, the first twenty minutes is is excellent <laughs> like i loved it so mm-hmm. much with all the stuff with with scotty and Chekhov and and um and kirk going on the enterprise and that you got sulu's daughter mm-hmm. i thought that was great that made me smile so wide uh whenever i found out that like sulu's daughter was like the new was like the like the, the, on the ship thought that was all huh yeah the, the new was, yeah, yeah 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 i thought that was awesome um I loved when it cut back and they're like in the computer simulation on the ship on like the, like the, like the, on the water, you know, Yeah, they're, they're on doing the... that whole thing. Um, I thought that was just super charming and awesome. I loved all the stuff of data in the movie, uh, him putting in the emotional chip and 
like I was saying, most underrated actor in the world. <laughs> him like having to do that, all the emotional stuff now, and he's laughing hysterically. But then, like cutting back to his seriousness whenever Jordy asks him a question, um, mm-hmm. I thought all of that was was really great. And him having to struggle with the emotions and him being scared and and all that stuff like that, and a great lesson to be learned there about how to handle your emotions. And at the end, he says something like. Oh, I've learned to handle them. And Troy's like, yeah, sure, uh-huh. you have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good luck with that, Data. Mm-hmm. You think yeah, you've learned we've it. We've had them our whole lives and can't handle them. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was awesome. Um, Patrick Stewart got to do some real acting in, in this movie yeah. uh, when he found out about the death of his family. That mm-hmm. that was – man, he's crying and he breaks down with Troy. That was actually like – that re- that, uh, that kind of got me. Uh, I didn't shed a tear or anything, but – it kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wow, you don't you don't see Picard that way very often." And I'm, of course, Patrick Stewart is like one of the greatest actors alive. Yeah, he's so, something. Um, he did that amazing. That was that was great. Um, I, I think all of it was just really, really great. I think it was mostly great stuff, but then there are a couple scenes that just something about them doesn't work for me it just doesn't work for me at all uh pretty much all the stuff with the villain i did not really enjoy i don't even remember his name and i watched the movie two hours ago uh like sauron or something like that like i kept thinking he was saying sauron soren yeah yeah, right yeah like i missed the one where sauron was everything with him just didn't really work for me um i didn't enjoy many of those scenes oh i know uh probably the biggest problem I have with the movie and I'm just going off like crazy, right? Like these are just all my first reactions, but the biggest problem I had with the movie was probably the way they handled Kirk's death. Part of me really, yeah. really likes it, but then part of me really doesn't. Part of me likes that. Okay. So pretty much the story of these first six movies were Kirk is getting old. What's he going to do about it? You know, mm-hmm. like from the first movie he was, I'm old. What am I going to do? Right. And so, I like that at the end, it's his whole thing is he dies after he's like, I made a difference one more time. I made a difference. Yeah. Even though the world already thinks that I'm dead, mm-hmm. I'm going to make, even in my death, technically, I'm still making a difference and he can die peacefully knowing that he did that. I really do like that mm-hmm. about it. But <laughs> just the way that he kind of like is laying there and he's like looking up at Picard and he goes, oh my. And then dies, <laughs> like it just, it just does. It's laughable for me. And I, in a lot of the way that Kirk has always been acted is kind of like that super dramatic Shakespearean acting, right? Yeah. So part of me likes it a lot because of that, but then the other part of me is like, I'm watching this death scene. I, I wanted more pathos. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he kept like, like there are like four different times during that scene that I thought he was dead. He like closed his eyes. I'm like, oh, okay, he's dead. And then he's like, oh, one more thing to say. <laughs> okay, now I'm dead. <laughs> one more thing William to say. Shatner. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly. So but like, I feel like we've been getting like better and better and better on the Kirk, and then it was like this one was like, and he's dead. And I'm kind of with you. It's like there were things that I really liked about it, but it didn't. Other than just kind of like the intellectual, like, oh, that's really tragic. Like, this iconic character is dead. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, y'all, whatever, Luke Skywalker died in The Last Jedi, however, however you feel about that movie. 
I sure enough cried. Uh-huh. You know, like I, I'm a like gets into these kinds of things kind of person. Um. Oh man, whenever Wash died in uh, Serenity. Right. Yeah, that one hurts. Oh that man. And it's like that, honestly, and I can't exactly put my finger on it. I think part of it's the writing and, and part of it's just the way that it was shot and like the way he was kind of pinned under things and, and he maybe didn't have, they did not play to his strengths as, as a dramatic actor in that scene. Who, Shatner? Yes. He also, I don't really know a whole lot about the production of this. I mean, how did, how did uh, Shatner feel about, being, being killed, killed off. off. I don't know. Now, I do know that um, Leonard Nimoy was approached to be in this movie and to direct it. And he read the script and said, nope. Yeah. And that's <laughs> not... Well, you also had Malcolm McDowell playing the villain, who it plays a great villain mm-hmm. in most things. But when you read about Malcolm McDowell in the production for this one, it sounds like he mostly did it for the chance to be the person that killed Captain Kirk. Uh, he refused to play an alien. He didn't want a scar. He didn't want any prosthetics because he didn't want to show up early to do the makeup. Right. No, this is all yeah. true. And it, it, uh, I said when we started this, we actually ended up with a pretty good Star Trek movie because we did. Yeah, and none of us will sit here and, and say this is a bad movie, but it is a little weird. I it, it, it's, it's really all and not movies. not like weird, not weird like in a good Star Trek kind of weird way. Like it just weird. sort of it, it sort of felt like an out of place episode. Right here's sense? here's what my my feelings about this movie. This was the first Star Trek movie I ever saw in theater. Probably was for you too. I did actually see Undiscovered Country in the theater. Okay. That was my first one. I did. This was my first one in the theater. And honestly, normally for me, a movie of something that I enjoy that much, that would have been like some like landmark thing for me that I would have remembered. But honestly, I feel like this may be the most forgettable of all the Star Trek movies. No, it's not. We haven't got to Insurrection yet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe. I, I think there's maybe some weirdness of that one that just makes it more memorable just because it, it, it not in a good way. <laughs> not that we want to spoil it for David, but the aliens who get their skin stretched. Can't wait. It sounds very <laughs> Doctor <laughs> Who. It is, it is actually pretty Doctor Who. Yeah. It's, anyway, <laughs> we'll get to that one. We're not going to start spoiling that. That's two movies away. You got to watch First Contact, then you get Insurrection. Um, no, I love First Contact. Huh? I love First Contact. I'm ready to do that one. First Contact is a yeah, that's a really good movie. But th- this, but Generations, like I said, it just it feels like an out of place episode of uh-huh. the Next Generation, right? Like like a lost, not an out of place episode, but sort of a lost episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you're right, like Malcolm McDowell really wasn't. A, I don't know. And yeah, he's fixing to destroy an entire planet, and you still really never feel like there's a lot of stakes to it. Like, it's not Malcolm McDowell destroying the planet that's the problem. It's almost like the Nexus is the big thing we got to deal with. Right. Like, the real conflict of this movie is getting trapped in the Nexus and never wanting to leave. And should you mm-hmm. want to stay in this dream world, or should you want to come out 
and live your real life, however much of it you may have left. Like what's what's more rewarding? That's that actually always felt like the actual conflict of this movie, and they missed it. Right. They missed it. Um. But again, it's still it's, it's still a pretty good Star Trek movie. I enjoyed seeing Kirk and Picard together, and I actually kind of liked Picard's not Picard's Kirk's death scene. Like it really was because David got it right whenever he said, you know, he's got to save the world one more time. Mm-hmm. Basically, he died twice saving, saving the, the world. world. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I liked it. it it fit to me I do think um, as far as the scene itself it doesn't have the emotional impact of Luke Skywalker's death as Marissa pointed out mm-hmm. there's not a lot of drama to the scene it's, it's not lit appropriately to get an emotional reaction there's no big dramatic music to get an emotional reaction there's, it, it just kind of happens. It's just sort of part of the plot. Um, we didn't really go out of our way to honor the death of the great Captain Kirk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe in, maybe in a way that's a missed opportunity, but also, mm-hmm. like we've already said, we're kind of passing the torch to the next... You know, that's proven to be something that franchises don't always do well. That was one of the biggest struggles, not to say Star Wars again, but that's one of the biggest struggles that the sequel trilogy had was balancing the old characters and the new characters, trying to give the due to the old characters that they deserved because they're iconic, but yet making the story still about the new characters. And I feel like this movie suffered from some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would is, agree. Which is strange because I actually thought that the last movie did a great job wrapping up these characters. Like, I was pretty satisfied. It's almost like they mm-hmm. they tried again whenever they got it right the first time. Like I thought it was great. The character standing <laughs> yeah. in the Enterprise saying, yeah, let's not right. go retire. Let's see what's next. That's great. I don't need to see yep. Kirk's death scene. I, I, that wasn't right. even a thought mm-hmm. to me. Like, it didn't we really, even occur to me that I needed to see that until I was seeing it. Uh, yeah, it's... that's really the thing. We really didn't need what they tried to do here. Yeah. Just give the Next Generation crew their films and keep going. We really didn't need an original series cast member involved in this to make it work. It was no. completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. No, this is this is where you talk about fan service going wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't have a problem with fan service, but again, a lot of movies, TV shows, other things tend to do this by trying to, they want to launch a new series, new new characters, and, but you're like, you're going to use the old characters to launch the new characters on their journey, but doing that without the old characters who you've loved for years, overshadowing the new characters, so then you start kind of trying to stick them in a corner Mm-hmm. I mean that's what they did with the with the original three, the big three in Star Wars, and and some other other series have been guilty of that. Uh, Stargate um, Universe did that, 
with some of the original series characters where in the first episode they had them on there but wanted to like kind of like don't pay like too much attention to yeah. the fact that he's here. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's yep. it's one of the, it's just a pitfall of trying to move on. You, well, you're making a movie, you're spending a lot of money and you want to make sure people go see it. So yeah, it's like how can we make sure people show up to see this? Well, we put we put uh, William Shatner in it, and then people will show up. The thing but is, but it probably though, wasn't necessary. The Next Generation was already off the rails, successful without William right. Shatner. It was, but oh, not yeah, as a movie, not as a movie franchise. A, a movie franchise and a TV franchise are two very different things. And that's you didn't true. have anybody in that TV series that was a proven movie actor. Yeah, that's true. But you didn't in the original until you got to the motion picture either. That's true, but you weren't launching a sequel set of movies. You were, you know, there you were building from scratch. And honestly, you know, that's something we probably ought to go back and talk about at some point because it, it's somewhat of a parallel to what we talked about last week in Firefly, where you had fans that just wouldn't let it die. Right. You know, you and, had this series and, and it's gone and it's gone for years. Decades. And the fans just wouldn't let it die. And so it finally came back in the form of movies. I just think it's really weird how it was done. But at the same time, I, I like all the stuff with Kurt in a mm-hmm. way, mostly. I, I, I like the way that the story kind of tied in with what's going on. I like that whole open that whole opening scene mm-hmm. that ends with that um, the doctor um, with the villain with um, CERN. I'm going to call him CERN. Uh, with him, with him coming and 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 being like, I have to go back. And it's like, what is he even talking about? Like setting up that mystery, and Kirk's gone, and you're like, well, Kirk's not going to be gone. So how are they going to tie this back in? I, I kind of like all of that coming together, and you mm-hmm. start hearing from Gideon about the Nexus, and I'm like, I bet Kirk's in the Nexus. Guinan, Guinan, I call her Gideon. I'm sorry. Yeah, Guinan. I don't know why. Someone. I'm thinking of something else. I'm all. I'm. It's a bad night. It's a bad night for words for David. <laughs> yeah. Um, guy, when you start hearing about the Nexus, and you're like, I bet Kirk's in the Nexus, and how are they going to get there? And then you're like, oh crap, I bet Picard's going to end up in the Nexus. I wonder what his Nexus is going to look like. I wonder what Kirk's Nexus looks like. And is he going to find them? Oh my god, look, they're together, and now they're going back, and this makes sense. And the planet gets destroyed, and you're like, how are they going to fix this? What What's going to happen now? I bet they're, and you're like, I bet they're going to go to the Nexus, and they're going to get Kirk, and they're going to come back, and they're going to fix it. And then it does. And I, I like seeing all of that unravel. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy that. And I thought it was a nice little mystery that kind of got set up in the beginning of, of what is this guy talking about? Uh, what does he want to get back to? I don't want to sound like we're criticizing the movie too much because I like the movie. I actually think this is a movie all four of us like, right? Like yeah. It's, no, I have yeah, no yeah. problem. It's no, a good I, movie. Yeah, it's fine. It was just a little slow. There was just parts of it that were unnecessary. So yeah. also, uh, David, I, I was kind of looking into the effects that were done on the movie. You're kind of talking about how you like one scene looks fine and the next, not so much. Yeah. Apparently there was a deal where the special effects tasks were actually split between the people who were doing the TV series and ILM. So you actually had a TV crew doing part of the special effects and ILM doing the rest. And then, um, I saw a, state, a quote here, a comment by John Knoll, uh, the great John Knoll, the effects supervisor for ILM, created Photoshop. I mean, Knoll's a brilliant human being and one of the best effects people ever. 
Uh, he said he recalled that generation of screenwriters filled the initial drafts with exciting and expensive effects. Knowles' team then storyboarded the effect sequences, figuring out how to best service the script as cheaply as possible. When even those estimates proved too costly, ILM continued cutting shots. We had nothing left to cut, and we still had to cut stuff. Jeez. And I, and I, I so feel like... Largely budgetary, tell, apparently. Know? Yeah. Thank you for finding that, because I, I really was confused. Like There are certain things where I'm looking at that, and I'm like, the TV show looked better in a lot of different spots. But I think that's because... In some of the movie, it looks excellent. And you can see that's where all the budget probably went and all like mm-hmm. the real effort went into and, and was given to the real special effects crew. Mm-hmm. And then so you have the other halves of the movie that in order to make those certain parts look so good, you had to cut all these corners. Right. And and, and it just was really noticeable. And usually I like – I don't mind bad special effects in, St- in Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I-, I talked about it before, how I actually kind of like it. I lo- it's There's a charm about it. But when half of the movie looks excellent, like a blockbuster from today... It makes the lesser spots more obvious. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And it-, it makes it stand out. Like, I couldn't help but look at the suit, even just the, the costumes, and I'm like, this looks bad this looks like marisha could have made a better version of this in in her living room like yeah so why uh, are they wearing jumpsuits the budget for that movie was 35 million dollars which is paltry for that kind for that kind of movie that's not a lot of money no not at all that's insane and it's a shame that it shows but i mean i i try not to let it hurt my enjoyment too much but there are just certain shots that I couldn't get past, that I couldn't stop staring well, at. We are, we're, we are going to get to first contact next, and you'll be much happier I'm excited. with the effects in first contact. You'll be much happier with that entire movie. Yeah, that's that's the best. Of, I'm just going to tell you, it's the best of the next generation yeah. movies. There's there's no way around it. There's no sugar. There's no trying to hide it at all. It will be obvious. That's, That's great. the best. I, I that one involve. I think I've seen a little bit of that one, and it involves the Borg. And I've I've mentioned before that they're my favorite Star Trek villain, one of my favorite villains in anything because of how perfect they are as a foil to to the to the actual uh, to the Trekkers mm-hmm. to the <laughs> to our cast. Like none of the tactics work. None of your let's talk about it works, and mm-hmm. I think that's great. So I'm yeah. excited for that. And you do get a Borg twist. You do get something from the Borg in First Contact we'd never seen before, and it will be a major point of discussion and contention next week. So Andrew's excited <laughs> for us to get to First Contact, yeah. um, and then you get to see the people who stretch their skin out on their faces. And Dope. I'm excited to get to Nemesis, because I want your take on some shit that happens in Nemesis. <laughs> but Okay. Anyway, and Marisha, you've seen all these movies, correct? No, oh, I have first seen... For you as well? Mm-mm. I've seen First Contact, and I've seen Nemesis, I think. I think that's all the the um, Next Generation movies I've seen. Okay. I know for a fact you've seen those two. Yeah, I think So that's... you'll be the first time viewer for Insurrection, and we'll, yeah. we'll be able to talk about that, too. So I think that's all we've got tonight, then. So... Mm-hmm. Until next time, Marisha, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at princessesandpadawans.com. 
princesses underscore and underscore Padawans on Instagram and P Padawans on Twitter. And Andrew? All right, you can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at the sciencefictionary at gmail.com. You can check out us as well as all of our podcast family at red5network.com. And so a, a new thing that I have started this week, you can check out my Twitch channel at Darklighter580. That's cool. All right. And David. You guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at stay underscore creative DD, or you can find me over at my YouTube channel, Creative DD. I do videos on Walking Dead, podcasts on nerd stuff, video games, all that, all that cool stuff. So definitely check it out. All right. And I am Dan Z Peeps on Twitter. And as Andrew already mentioned, check out all our other um, members of our Red Five Network family and also, our other show, Coruscant Radio Underground, if you want to hear some, hear us talk Star Wars as much or more as we talk about Star Trek. And we'll see you next time. Hello there. Rancho Obi-Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. Located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObiWan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. A fun, authentic fan experience. Featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind the seen stories and information and so much more plus your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum it's the rancho obi-wan virtual museum subscribe now at ranchoobi1.org get tons of cool perks information and history of star wars collecting from the man who knows it best steve sansweet while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest star wars memorabilia collection ranchoobi1.org <laughs>